Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, he gave me a call and said, look, I've got, I can't tell you much about it. I've got this um, big operation coming up, though. We need some undercover agents. Uh, is it something you'd be interested in? I'm dealing with people that don't really know very much about yachts. They want me to go and be the person that buys a, a decent yacht and then sell it to Australia. Something funny is going on. Um, because we, we knew there might be weapons involved, and we but we had no idea. We might have to kind of nudge him off the boat or something if things get difficult got a you know an undercover narcotics bureau agent on our boat and uh, taking him out for a sail he thought this was all tremendously exciting catching worms a hong kong true crime podcast The Fragrant Harbour had just opened its docks to a new arrival. A yacht chartered from the Philippines bound for Sydney, Australia, had moored up in search of a crew to assist it in making the epic 5,157 nautical mile journey to deliver an undisclosed cargo. At the helm was Canadian skipper John Bridges. He had been hired at Manila Yacht Club to complete the journey and concerned that something was up had reported the voyage to the Australian consulate before he left. The Australians, knowing that the yacht was bound for Hong Kong before reaching Australian shores, decided to team up with the Royal Hong Kong Police to attempt to intercept the cargo. In Hong Kong, the Narcotics Division formed a team of undercover officers to begin work on Operation, codename, Clinker. Narcotics Inspector and ex-merchant naval seaman, Rod Mason, was enlisted to offer his services to be part of the crew, along with Marine officer and rugby mate Bill Renwick. But that still left a few vacancies aboard the boat, as Bill explains. We knew that if any other civilians were hired for that trip, then, you know, when the arrests happen and everything, the chance of them not going off and talking about it afterwards would be very slim, uh, and then word could get out. So... We decided it was going to be an all-police affair, but 
um, the other two people had to pretend they were civilians the whole time. Otherwise, it would have looked very bad on John that he had somehow managed to hire four undercover policemen as the crew. So Rod needed to find two more expert officers who could pass for sailors, or at the very least, not arouse suspicions. I think in a, a kind of a little bit of a inspirational thought, I thought of the last European female officer... And I got in touch with her and said, um, Debbie, would you be interested in playing a role in this? And she said, oh, yeah, totally. And my reasoning behind that was that not very many people knew that there were still European female officers in the force. And I don't mean to sound you know, like a misogynist or anything, but I thought a blonde in a bikini would not look like a police officer and would help us infiltrate as the undercover crew. Nick had no sailing experience and had not actually been in Narcotics Bureau that long, but he said he was willing to learn. So Nick claimed he was in Hong Kong looking for a job and everything was too expensive. So the opportunity to crew a yacht down to Australia was perfect for him. The four officers, Rod, Bill, Nick and Debbie, all working undercover. Now all they needed to do was convince the smugglers to hire them as their trusty crew. So you had to create for all four, for all four of you, um, some backstories, some cover stories. Yeah. How how detailed were they? How how, like, how long did you spend working out what your cover stories were going to be? Were they very top line, or did, was, there, was there quite a lot of depth? Uh, no, there were there was sufficient depth so that if they were questioned, we hoped that they would be able to pass. So Bill wasn't hard because his parents lived in Hong Kong. Bill's story was that he was between years at uni and back at his parents, but as a rugby player, wanted to get down to New Zealand and spend some time playing rugby down there. Um, Debbie said she was doing a world tour and basically all her possessions were in her rucksack and that Hong Kong was too expensive, so she was happy to take the chance to move on. I dug out some old Merchant Navy paraphernalia like my British Seaman's card and uh, found some chap to make me a chop so that I could give it an update in terms of the date so it wasn't expired anymore. And all of these things were... You didn't want to go completely over the top. We didn't go to you know, making false identities or anything like that. And in actual fact, if they'd examined our passports, they would have gone, wait a minute, these people aren't who they say they are because they've been in and out of Hong Kong quite a lot. So when we had to submit our passports to get the Australian visa, I, in fact, went with... um, the informant John Bridges to the Australian consulate so that nobody else really got a chance to look at the passports. They had an in. The person in charge of recruiting the prospective crew was the informant. John Bridges had reported the unusual request to pick up unknown cargo from Hong Kong and take it to Australia to the consulate in the Philippines before making his initial voyage to Hong Kong. I asked Bill his first impressions of John. But he seemed just a, a, yeah, ordinary kind of, yeah, 
quite a nice guy, um, sort of guy if you met in a bar, you'd have a few drinks with and just um, easygoing, slightly laid back demeanor, um, easygoing kind of uh, nautical chap, I suppose is how I'd describe him. He was a Canadian. He'd been living and working in the Philippines for a number of years. And he was a qualified skipper and he used to hang out in the yacht club in Manila. And he was looking for basically anybody that would pay him to do anything so that he could afford to live. So when John was approached and asked if he was capable of sailing a yacht to Hong Kong and then to Australia, he rubbed his hand together with glee because before any mention of anything suspicious, he was going to get paid for doing that. And so he was delighted that, you know, he got a job. So after his explanation to Rod, John's story seemed plausible. But how do you know if you can trust an informant? I'll be honest, there's a thought that also crossed my mind whether, you know, how how genuine was this? How genuine was it that he was just an informant? And we've been sort of uh, strung along a bit here. No, there's always, always going to be an element of suspicion. However, um, after talking to him for a while and trying to establish why he was doing what he was doing, and he revealed that he had a brother uh, who was back in Canada who had died of a heroin overdose. And because of that, he was absolutely vehemently against anybody dealing in heroin. Now, although heroin hadn't been mentioned, he was suspicious about this undisclosed cargo that he was going to pick up in Hong Kong. And so we, like him, suspected it might be heroin. Of course, it it may well have turned out to be something completely different. What was this cargo? Was it cocaine or could it be something else? And if it was something else, was it necessarily illegal? Could this whole operation be for nothing? I joked with Rod, what if it was just jelly babies? Well, but but to be honest, you've got to look at it. Who's going to go to all this trouble to buy a yacht, bring it to Hong Kong? It's There's a lot of money involved. Are they going to do that for jelly babies? It had to be something of value. And, you know, we speculated what there might be of value that would be worth. And one of the things we considered was... um, carved ivory exports. But whatever it was, Rod and Bill wanted to get aboard the yacht to intercept the cargo leaving Hong Kong. First, skipper John Bridges had to sail from Manila to Hong Kong. He estimated it would take him around 100 hours or four days to make the trip. So when the informant, John Bridges, docked in Victoria Harbour, They knew he was coming, and he had an appointment to meet Rod and Bill. They got into Hong Kong on the 17th of August, and they went into the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club, and John got in touch with Narcotics Bureau, and he was told to try and get separate, which he did, and he booked a room in the Mariners Club in Chimsachoy and then phoned me and I went down to meet him together with Bill so that we had a chance to talk with him about 
an hour, hour and a half and lay out the sort of ground rules. Bill remembers how tense this first meeting was. An eye-opener for Bill, who had never worked undercover before. Well, like I say, that that first meeting, it was, uh, again, very new to me. And the fact that he was just, he was obviously very on edge. The fact he was whispering so quietly and so concerned about being overheard uh, or being bugged, you know, made me think, gosh, but what's he, what's he worried about here? What's he really feel like he's got himself into? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Initially, John just thought he'd found himself a good gig. Skippering a yacht from Manila to Sydney via Hong Kong. The money was good. And more than that, it appealed to John's sense of adventure. But... Very quickly, he started to notice things were out of the ordinary. His suspicion started to build up when initially he thought that he'd been recruited to skipper someone's yacht. And then he was told to identify a suitable yacht and buy it. And he thought, I'm dealing with people that don't really know very much about yachts. They want me to go and be the person that buys a decent yacht and then sell it to Australia. Something funny is going on. And, uh, you know, I started sort of thinking beyond what I'd heard so far, which was simply just he'd been employed by Roberto to, to kind of sell this this yacht. And I, I started thinking, is he really sort of fearful of something? John's fears, were they justified? What had he got himself into? The team had not yet met the infamous Roberto Baptista, the wily Filipino who first employed John back in Manila and seemed to have all the connections in Hong Kong. But that was about to change. Rod and I had already met with John um, previously just to do a bit of a, a sort of planning of this, this uh, event. 
and uh, we'd met in a in a hotel room and I can remember you know John was obviously very concerned about being bugged uh, so the whole thing was literally the whole in, uh, meeting was conducted in a whisper with literally the three of us sort of about inches away from each other's faces so I could hear what John was saying uh, so we we'd sort of planned it all beforehand and so you, you met John at the Mariners um, and and then you had to do something which most I'm assuming is isn't normal in terms of undercover work you had to be interviewed for your undercover position yes that's right that was um in the spaghetti house and um both John and Roberto were sitting at a table there and I came in and I'd tried to prep John a little bit, but not too much because I didn't want it to become evident that we'd already met and I didn't know what kind of an actor he would be. So I I just said, look, if you need to convince Roberto that I'm the right man, just start asking me about my Merchant Navy qualifications, which he did. And so I was able to lay them on thick and say that I'd only just been released from a ship and basically that I worked between four and six months on board and then had about two months leave before I joined the next ship. So that for me, this was great because I would be able to sail to Australia before my next job. And I talked about my qualifications and my experience and, you know, even yacht handling. When when I was at Glasgow Nautical College, we'd had to go out in dinghies on Loch Lomond and do things like capsize practice, which, Susie, if I can assure you, doing capsize practice in a dinghy on Loch Lomond in November is not a barrel of laughs. You get very cold very quickly. But it impressed Roberto. And I found out later he'd said to John, in a kind of rather uncharitable way, Oh, if something happens to you, John, and you get washed overboard, then at least I've got Rod who can take over as skipper. Rod had impressed Roberto, but he wasn't the only one who had to be welcomed aboard the crew. When I when I picture that meeting in the spaghetti house with so it wasn't just you there for the interview, it was you, Debbie, Nick, Bill. Yeah, everybody arrived one by one. So I arrived, then Bill turned up, then Debbie, and last of all, Nick. And there was nobody else? No one else turned up for the interview? Nope, nobody else came for the interview, uh, which we were fortunate for because he'd advertised it in the South China Morning Post. As soon as the four of us came and Roberto started nodding his head, I tried to encourage John to shut down the, the selection because what we didn't want were innocent punters to turn up. Although I'd already discussed with Uh, with John what we would do if somebody that I didn't know turned up and I would start asking him about his sailing experience to try and make it apparent that he wasn't as suitable as the candidates we were putting forward. Bill recollects that day and the nerves he had. When we went along to the meeting we all came from separate directions and everything else but we had to really pretend like we didn't know each other at all and when you've been in training school with nine months for someone and know them very well and sailed with them and all that kind of thing. Uh, it, it's very easy to just slip into ways of being with each other that, that could give that away. So, yeah, I was really kind of uh, tense about that, but obviously had to just kind of 
play along that this was just a, uh, a normal evening meeting someone a bit of apprehension because I wanted to be selected and I wanted to go on this trip to Australia. Um, but yeah, we met in this restaurant in, in Kowloon. The Spaghetti House is a busy place, so there's a lot going on. And it was very informal. I mean, different people were telling stories about things that they'd experienced. Debbie was talking about how she was in a guest house in Chunking Mansions and it was really noisy all the time. We, we'd even planned sort of choreographed little exchanges of conversation that would help build the story, help build the picture. So you were able to sort of distract people. Plus, we were getting served pizza, so you could always use a bit of pizza to buy some time whilst you thought of an appropriate answer. It wasn't all, you know, on the spot, immediate, you're in an interrogation chair. It was quite relaxed like that. So he used the classic pepperoni pizza distraction technique. For Rod, this was his day job. He was used to undercover work. But for Debbie, Nick and Bill, this was new ground. And you know, I'd never done anything like this before, so I was uh, just so nervous of, of just slipping up, just saying the wrong thing. It just could take a momentary slip of the tongue and uh, the whole thing is suddenly thrown into suspicion and then, uh, you know, it would be an uphill battle to kind of gain that, uh, that advantage again. Next time on Catching Worms. We became more and more convinced that they were attempting um, an export of heroin from Hong Kong. Pretty dramatic stuff, um, yeah. I don't think many of my other friends from school were doing the same sort of thing at that age. Muscled kind of triad kung fu fighter who was introduced um, and we worked out, well, he was the bodyguard for the drugs. I'm all this for, <laughs> all this just for this, this paltry amount of, of, um, of drugs. Something funny is going on. This has been a Create Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. With special thanks to Rod Mason, author of Operation Clinker, published by Austin McCauley, and Bill Renwick. And thank you for listening. Catching worms. Jok chong. This term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying jok chong yap si fat. That involves putting said worms up your rear end, which to anyone's imagination definitely spells trouble indeed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.